Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we're recapping Montreal's weekend, what that means for their lottery odds, and Connor Bedard, and so much more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 807 of Locked On Canadians. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day. And thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day, wherever you get your daily podcast or on YouTube if you're subscribed there as well. Make sure you just ring that bell. You get notified every time we post a brand new episode or go live on YouTube. I am your host. I am Scott Matla, of course. And as always, I want to thank you for joining me as we continue to work our way through what is a very, very hectic end of the season for the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to talk about the game against Tampa Bay here in a second. We're going to talk about the three up, three down. It is Monday. There's plenty to discuss there. As you can tell, I am wearing my Minnesota Golden Gophers college hockey jersey today. We will touch on why that is in our up section later on. But let's jump right into things. Saturday night, after playing a 14 goal, 14 goal, 14 goal, I, I don't even know what to call it. I don't want to call it a classic because it was anything but. It was ridiculous and insane. Probably one of the weirdest games that we have ever seen this year. The Canadians then rolled into Tampa Bay uh, Friday night. And before the game on Saturday, Martin St. Louis and Vincent LeCavier, along with Phil Esposito, were inducted into the Tampa Bay Lightning Hall of Fame, which obviously a huge honor. Uh, the funny part about the whole thing for me is that Martin St. Louis looked like he could, wanted to be anywhere else in the world. I know that his heart stays in Tampa Bay, where he became an NHL superstar. But this man is built different when it comes to coaching. Looking at him out there, it's like he's like, I want to just get this game going here. I imagine I understand that whole thought. And I also can't remember the last time that an opposing team honored two members of another team that were there that night, which it is very wild to remember that Vincent LeCavalier works for the Montreal Canadiens now. And so does former Lightning player Teddy Purcell as a scout. So apparently. The pipeline goes from play for Tampa Bay, break Montreal's heart for most of your career in some way, shape, or form, join their front office. So I'm looking forward to Steven Stamkos, amateur scout in the next five to 10 years, or Mikhail Sergachev, Russian scout in the next 10 to 15 years. I am, of course, kidding. I. It is just a very funny coincidence of things. Let's get into this game here, though. Montreal played Decently well, despite a self-imposed uh, shorthandedness. And we will touch on this further in the down segment a bit here. Jonathan Durant was dressed, did not play a shift. And there are reasons for that. Like I said, we will touch on that in uh, the middle segment here. They lost 5-3. Uh, they went up 3-2, or they were leading. Tampa Bay came back. Tampa Bay took the lead. It was 2-2, or 2-1, 2-2, 3-2. 
The game ends with Brandon Hagel getting his hat trick on an empty net goal. As far as losing games in the tanko, this was perfect. The Canadians played a solid game, all things considered. They're still beat to hell and back, playing with an AHL lineup. But in this game, Mike Hoffman scored. Mike Hoffman got an assist. Dennis Gurionov scored again. Dennis Gurionov cannot stop scoring goals, and we will talk more about him later on. Jesse Olinen had a big goal here. And the Canadians potentially are unlucky. They've only scored three goals here. They played a pretty solid game across the board against a very good Tampa Bay team. And I know people are looking at Tampa as, oh, well, they're not as good as they were in previous years. They've still got 90 points on the year. They're still a very good team. And admittedly, yes, it would be nice that uh, if they would finally fall off the face of the earth after three Stanley Cup runs and just a decade of excellence, so to speak. I'm not upset about this game. Samuel Montembeau bounced back in a big way after whatever that game in Sunrise against the Panthers was. And the team looked pretty cohesive. They got beat by a team that is just one healthier and better all around than they are. It's hard to stop a guy like Steven Stamkos. Brandon Hagel, I didn't know, had almost 30 goals this year. I didn't know that Braden Point had over 40 goals this year. The way people have talked about Tampa Bay this season is that it's like they've fallen off a cliff and we're barely going to make the playoffs. That's clearly not the case at all, which they're having a down year by their standards, which is, oh no, we're not potentially the favorites for the Stanley Cup, which must be absolutely terrible, I, I got to say. And the good news out of this is that Canadians took no points, played a solid game, and have lost two in a row and are now sitting fifth overall in the lottery odds. They would be a little bit mis- more secure in fifth place had ta- had uh, Philadelphia not blown a lead with 0.3 seconds left on the clock. I am looking at Tankathon right now. They're within four points of the Anaheim Ducks. The Arizona Coyotes are now five points ahead of them. The Canadians are pretty locked into anywhere between fourth and sixth right now. Chicago has 54 points. San Jose has 52. It is doable because if I go to remaining strength of schedule here and the teams that we are chasing, it's it's San Jose plays a tough schedule. I don't think you're going to catch them. Chicago's right in the middle of the pack. And where is Anaheim on here? The logo's so normal, I can't even find it in here. Uh, they are 15th. The Canadians' remaining strength of schedule is 4th. They're, one of their easiest opponents is considered the Florida Panthers, who just hung nine goals on them, in case you want to know how the rest of their season has to go. One more game against the Lightning on Tuesday, another game against the Leafs, another game against Carolina, two more games against the Bruins, and they have Columbus, Philadelphia, Detroit, Washington, Buffalo, and Florida. I I understand the the nervousness that I think that oh they're they're gonna potentially not pick I think they're gonna pick in the top five here. Those games against Philadelphia and Columbus, etc., they're probably going to win one or both of those games, but the remaining other opponents are so much tougher than anything else. I think that if, with a little bit of luck here, the Canadians are locked into the top four. And that potentially means a Mitchkov. That might mean a Leo Carlson if someone lets him slide a little bit here. If we're assuming Bedard and Fantilli are going 1-2, which, duh, at this point, 
a Leo Carlson is a pretty great pick there. And things are can always shift rapidly. I haven't looked at what the NHL schedule looks like today, but we have Buffalo playing Boston, not a factor. Washington, Minnesota, not a factor. Columbus playing Vegas, not really a factor. Winnipeg playing St. Louis, not really a factor. Nashville, New York, not really a factor. Tampa Bay, Vancouver, and Anaheim. We should be cheering for Anaheim to take at least a point in this game. I don't want to call it a three-point game, but it's kind of a three-point game overall here because Vancouver, they have 65 points. They're sitting eighth. Getting a little bit more distance there would not be a bad thing. Everything's going according to plan. Those points that they got earlier in the year, yeah, maybe making a little bit of a difference, but I wouldn't trade beating Toronto for anything else in the world, to be quite honest with you. And it is Monday. That means it's time for three up and three down next. We always start with the down to get the bad out of the way first, and we're going to dive into that coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens, and I use these every single morning because it's so much easier than taking a million different pills or supplements to get my day started right. And with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. Gives a boost to your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system. Gives you energy, helps with your recovery and focus throughout the day. It's everything you need, and it's lifestyle-friendly. So if you are vegan or dairy-free or gluten-free, this product can work for you as well. And this subscription comes with a year supply of immune supporting vitamin D, which is great. It's still winter outside for the time being. A little bit cold, daylight savings beating your butt a little bit. This can help you get your day started right. And there's over 7,000 five star reviews endorsed by professional athletes and leading health experts. So, right now, it is time to reclaim your health. And arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water, and that's it. You don't need a million different pills, supplements to look after your own health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Green is going to be a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com dot com slash nhl network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance we are back here episode 807 of lockdown canadians please excuse me as i take a drink of my energy drink to continue powering through this i've been talking a lot today so my uh, voice is a little bit shot i apologize it is monday and monday always means one thing it is three up and three down where we take a look at the best and the worst or the bad or whatever you want to phrase it as in the Montreal Canadiens organization. And the biggest one here, the down this week that everyone is going to be talking about, even though both people involved in this just want to move on Jonathan Drouin. So he was late by two minutes to a team meeting this week. Martin St. Louis mentioned there would be some kind of, he was not allowed to practice on Friday. And normally he would, there would be some kind of other punishment for that based on whatever rules Martin St. Louis has set down for the Canadians organization. And he stuck to his principles. Jonathan Duran was dressed, did not play a shift against Tampa Bay on Saturday night. And this happening in Tampa Bay is probably just the worst god-awful coincidence that could have happened considering how his time in Tampa Bay ended. I assume, and Martin St. Louis, I'm pretty sure would agree with this, 
He would not have even dressed Drouin if he didn't have to. The Canadians could not create their own shorthanded lineup because it's against the CBA. Is that if they have a healthy body who can play, you have no choice but to play them or dress them for this game to avoid creating like an 11-5 situation or something like that. Normally, I would have said just dress seven defensemen, but one of the other parts of the down this week, Caden Gooley's injured again. We will touch on that in a moment, but Drouin mentioned he was late for the meeting. It's the first time he's been late in his career. He owns up to that. He's like, I made that mistake. You cannot be late to meetings. I fully accept what Martin's saying that we, you know, handed out with that, and we just want to move past this. And even Martin St. Louis, who I don't think wanted to talk about it because, you know, there's a level of nuance and caring that has to go into this that you don't want to put a spotlight on a guy who is trying his best to get back on track. And admittedly, for Jonathan Drouin, yes, one goal on the season. He's been one of their best point getters as in the back half of the season here. And losing him is legitimately a tough call. But Martin St. Louis sticking to his principles and building that culture of we got to be there, we got to be on time. And that applies to starting on time in games, making sure you are where you need to be. And I look at it and go, two minutes isn't a lot. Unless it was the habit of I was late by a minute one time. You know, I missed this one by a couple of minutes. I was two minutes late to this one. That was the final shot. If this was a first time thing, it looks harsh. But I think both the coach and the player are ready to move past this. And I think the fan base definitely should too. There's a very weird, you know, sell of people who just don't want to see Jonathan Drouin succeed or are weird about people wanting him to succeed. Because the worst thing that Mark Bergman ever did with that trade is you can look at it however you want. And that adding Drouin was a potential star player in the making, but was pitching him as a savior for this team and not surrounding him with the talent to make that happen. I, I like Jonathan Drouin. I understand that his contract and everything given up, he can't help what he was traded for. And I'm hoping that people, we just move on from this thing and look at how well Drouin has been playing in the back half of the year here. He's generating a lot of points as almost exclusively a playmaker, which is wild. And he probably should have another couple of goals to his name this year, but I think he's done a very good job as a distributor under Martin St. Louis in that system that allows him to play with his instincts a little bit. And I don't know what the future holds for him. I'm not a psychic by any means here, but we're going to move on from that. It's disappointing, but I understand it. Players understand it. I don't think it was overly harsh. I think building a proper responsible culture within a hockey team is a big part of this rebuild, especially under Martin St. Louis. The other down I really have this week Caden Gooley's hurt, did not play, did not practice, did not play against Tampa Bay. He got hurt in that game against Florida, went down, clutching his knee, leg, whatever, after being dragged into the board by Colin White, was allowed to go back into that game, which was a blowout at that point. The Canadians were not coming back in that game. I know that the goaltending was bad, but it was not going to happen. And he missed practice and did not play against Tampa Bay. What are we doing? I understand that players want to play, especially ones who are competitive like Hayden Gooley is. Save them from themselves. It is a blowout game. There's no need to go back out there. And even if you feel fine, there's nothing immediately apparently wrong. Just sit. It's not the end of the world that if you miss 
you know, the end of that game there, and then we can get a further evaluation. Had he missed this Tampa Bay game after leaving the Florida game and didn't come back to play in that Florida game, fine. I would have understood that. That's out of the control. With the spotlight now going on the Canadians training staff the way that it has this season, something's got to give. And I don't love it, and I don't love that it's happening to young guys. Some things are not the training staff's fault. Arbor Jack Eye Shoulder, not their fault. Uri Slavkovsky's knee, not their fault. Uh, Jake Evans, not their fault. But I look at Sean Monahan, I look at Kirby Duck, I now look at Caden Gooley, maybe even Christian Dvorak. I don't really know. That's a problem. And that's just something I really hope they work at curbing this offseason. They get, something's got to give here. In two years leading the league in man games lost? No. No, 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 no. Something's wrong there. Something's absolutely borked in the worst possible way. We're going to... I'm... Just, uh, something's got to give there. Seriously. I don't want to keep you all on a negative note, though. So coming up in our next episode... Or next episode, our next segment, it is our three up on the week. We're going to have more than three ups, I promise you, in that regards. We only had two downs in this segment. So we got a lot of prospects to talk about. Lane Hudson stays doing Lane Hudson things. Rhett Pitlick, goal of the year. We've got that and more coming up next. But first, this show is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. You're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want the the calories and the fat, then you got to try Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar because it is covered in 100% real chocolate and it's healthy actually tasty it's so delicious you won't even think that it's good for you and like i said 100 real chocolate with flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond only 130 calories four grams of sugar 17 grams of protein these are the ideal breakfast starter if you can't eat on your way to work in the morning you need that midday boost you need that recovery after one of your workouts or like me, spring's right around the corner. You're going hiking and you need something on the trail. Built Bar is there for you. And you can go to built.com, build your own box, get whatever you're looking for out of the flavors. Now, you can also go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick them up in the pharmacy section. You can get a four-pack of things like cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you go into Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box with the hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. Folks, you can thank me later. So like I said... Check out your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or online at Built.com and give Built Bar a shot today. Folks, it is time for the up segment. And like I said, there is a reason why I am wearing a Minnesota Golden Gophers jersey. Not because I love the great state of Minnesota. In fact, no, Minnesota's great. Uh, The Vikings are terrible, and I wish them nothing but the worst. But that is a personal bias on my own. The Canadians' prospects on Saturday night came to play in the NCAA Big Ten title game. Rhett Pitlick dangled around one defender four times on the same play before scoring potentially the goal of the year. It was like watching a lion walk down a wounded wildebeest and then eventually just finished it off. I retweeted the goal. And I, I highly recommend you go take a look at this. I've never seen anything like it. It's so aggressively and just dominant. It is 
one of the coolest goals I've ever seen. It's not like he flipped it between his legs. He just went back, forth, back, forth, back, forth goal. Amazing stuff. Rhett Pelican, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, are in the NCAA Frozen Four Tournament. They are likely the one seed, I believe, if I read Chris Peters' tweet correctly. Going on to the other big-name prospect in who uh, won the Hockey's Championship last night. Talk about Luke Tuck. Oh, I'm not talking about Luke Tuck, but Luke Tuck was on that team. Lane damn Hudson is the truth. There's no other way for me to phrase this. Lane Hudson scored a goal against Merrimack to get the to get uh, the Boston Terriers back into the game. And then in overtime, early on, gets a puck at the point from defense partner Matt Brown, gives a deep shoulder fake, cuts to the middle, and just rifles one upper 90 of the goal there to win the Hockey East title. Hockey East Rookie of the Year. Hobie Baker finalist. Beat Brian Leach's under-19 scoring record for the NCAA. Lane Hudson is on such another level that it is hard to put into words how impressive he has been. He is not a perfect polished piece either. There's defensive work to be done and positioning work to be done. Offensively, he might be the most exciting defensive prospect this team has had since P.K. Subban. And I don't really think that's uh, that's underselling it at all. He has so much shiftiness and a swagger and an aggressiveness about him playing in a frame that is, despite them saying it's five foot ten, is like five foot eight and a half on a good day. Lane Hudson plays with a mindset of I'm going to score a goal or my teammate is going to score a goal. You cannot stop me. It is an incalculable swagger about him. And I am so excited that, yes, 32 teams passed on him at least once. And that the Montreal Canadiens drafted him 62nd overall. That small little kid who showed up to the draft combine with an endocrinologist note saying, I will continue to grow more. Please don't be frightened by my stature. What else can you say? Boston is in the hockey tournament. Obviously, they won the automatic bid. They were likely a lock anyways, even if they didn't win Hockey East. Lane Hudson's going to be a big part of their success. Sean Farrell and Harvard did not win the ECAC title, but Harvard was already a lock for the tournament. They will also be there as well. Obviously, Farrell, Coronado, Henry Thrun, Alex LeFarrier. Apparently, Milan Hayduk's kid plays for Harvard as well. They're going to be a big part of this tournament. We will have your updates as they go on through the quarterfinals, semifinals, etc., all the way down to the national title game here on this podcast. And speaking of pieces that cannot stop scoring goals, Dennis Gurionov is on the warpath. And you know what? I, I, it warms my heart to see that Stars fans are like, I love seeing him succeed because not everyone agrees with how Rick Bonus handled him or how Montgomery handled him before he left. Or I don't actually know who the Dallas Stars coach is right now. My apologies to our Stars fans. But there was clear that the fan base thought there was more to Gurianov's game than the coaching staff in the front office did. Watching Gurianov shoot the puck, I'm inclined to believe them. He went far side posting in on Brian Elliott from the left circle when Elliott was square to him as a goaltender. That's insane. It was a back behind the goal line pass. And I know Ryan Stimson somewhere is absolutely smiling about operating below the goal line to him 
far corner and in. Denis Gurianov came in, scored a really nice goal, kind of went quiet for a little bit, and is finding that touch again. And the more and more I look at him, I go, this is a faster Mike Hoffman. The defensive warts are still there a little bit, but with a healthy team, a guy like Uri Slavkovsky, whose strength earlier on before he was injured was as a playmaker in the offensive zone, keeping a cycle going. Denis Gurianov as a trigger man for him makes a lot of sense. You give them a good playmaker down the middle or a solid, you know, two-way option there, a Kirby Doc perhaps there, who can do a little bit of that defensive lifting and helps them generate that offense. I think there's a lot there and is a power play weapon. You put Caulfield on one side and Gurianov on the other. Which which shooter do you want to defend? Your answer should be Cole Caulfield, but we know Dennis Gurianov can shoot the puck. His, his I don't want to call it a redemption arc because he what doesn't need to be redeemed for any reason. He's playing hockey in a way, five goals in 11 games is him going to Ken Hughes and saying, I am worth a contract this offseason. And I'm not inclined to argue against him at that point. Watching Gurianov play, I'm really excited about what he could do on a healthy Canadians team. I'm excited to see what any of these guys could do on a healthy Canadians team. Also, big shouts out to Jesse Olin, another goal, same spot as uh, as Gurianov scored against the Lightning there. Big shooter, he's finding some confidence there. He's never going to be like a 70-80 point guy, but he's got all the he's got all the trappings of a 20-goal guy playing middle six minutes, power play time, and he's going to be that goal scorer. He's got the skill set and he's got the shot for it. I think Canadians fans should be excited uh, for the Rocket. Mitchell Stevens continues to be absolutely great. And Caden Primo in his last four starts, 952 save percentage, doing everything they can to get this beleaguered Rocket team back into a playoff spot. The, a- the AHL North Division is a bloodbath. And that's really, you know, unfortunate because the Rocket aren't a bad team. But they're playing in a division where fourth place and seventh place are separated by five points. The Rocket are one point out of the final playoff spot. They've played the same amount of games as the Belleville Senators. They've got two games. Rochester has two games in hand on them with 62 points. They don't play the Amherst again this season, but if I'm correct, I believe they do play the Senators and Monsters a few more times. They split their weekend series with the Utica Comets, who are second in the division here. The season's far from decided for the Rocket. And it's going to be a close one right down to the wire. So I will obviously keep you updated on that and more. However, we are coming to the end of our day here at Locked On Canadians. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in once again uh, with myself. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Matla. My co-host is at The Active Stick. She's obviously still currently on vacation while I'm hosting the show. Follow the show at LO underscore Canadians. Sometimes I remember that I'm supposed to live tweet during the games and I try my best to be funny for y'all. You can find us wherever you find your daily podcast and on YouTube if you are watching this. Make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a new episode. Please, please, please subscribe. Tell all your friends if you're looking for Canadians podcast. Folks, we will see you all next time.